Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Courtside Convo. Our final episode of 2023. It's uh, been an interesting start to the NBA season. It's been exciting. There's been a lot of highs and lows, peaks and valleys, in-season tournament in full swing, coming to an end. Great to be here with you tonight. Detroit Pistons are still in their uh, losing streak. Currently trying to snap it tonight against the Memphis Grizzlies here on this Wednesday night in East Lansing, September 6th. I'm A.J. Evans, joined alongside Tim Marshall. Hot take, Tim. And Martin Gillespie. What's up? How you guys doing? Pretty good. A lot of stuff uh, with the NBA that we are going to go over today, and I'm excited to talk about it all. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm excited. I mean, I'm not going good as terms of my basketball team, but in every other way, I'm good. (laughs) So... (laughs) I'm still bummed about the Pistons, but hey, there's good basketball happening elsewhere. So, um, just making that that admission. (laughs) All around, yeah. (laughs) But uh, let's let's get into this playing tournament, man. Um, The Eastern semifinals are set to take place. I think they're happening. That's happening on tomorrow, I believe. Yeah, seven. In Vegas. In Vegas, Las Vegas expansion team? Question mark. Yeah. I hope Uh, so. LeBron owner? What? Maybe Whoa. that would be cool. That'd be pretty cool. I, I hope whatever they name it, I hope that like somewhere in their branding they have like a Sin City like uniform or something. That'd be really cool. Yeah. That would be cool. I, I just want the supersonics back. Like yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. that's more yes. than that's number yes. one on the list. Yeah. But number two I think is Vegas. For sure, for sure. Um But uh in Las Vegas will be the Milwaukee Bucks and the Indiana Pacers in the east, and then to the west, the Los Angeles Lakers and the Pelicans. Let's start off with the East, the Bucks and the Pacers. I think we're not surprised by one of these teams. The other one, I think they've kind of taken the league by storm. But we've talked a lot about them. Um, Pacers are led by their guy, Tyrese Halliburton, who is just – he's been spectacular, man. Like, if personally, if the season ended today with the way that we've been doing the MVP awards, he might have my vote for MVP. MVP. I'd have to look at everything, but, like, this guy is just on another level right now. Um, but what are your guys' thoughts on on these games? And let's let's start off with that that Pacers Bucks game that's coming up and how how they've gotten to this point. Why not start with you? Um, are we doing like predictions or do you want to? You can the whole thing, man. So just you know talk about you can talk about just the I, I'd say both of the teams and then from there you know the game itself who you think comes out on top. Well. So the Pacers, I, I think that you you saw nothing other than good signs when it comes to like what happened in that game versus the Celtics. I don't think you can be mad at anything happened there. They played a great game and I mean, for one, they won without having to like, you know, score 130 points, you know, really like without that super hard offensive flurry. And I thought they played better defense than I expected. I mean, you know, they're they're one of the teams in the league right now where they're playing an insane amount of offense, incredible offense, might end up as one of the highest scoring offenses ever, but also not playing any defense. But they, the rotations were good, I thought. Everything looked good. And even though they don't have like the talent to get hard stops when it matters, I don't think they're ready for that competition at the high level. I still really liked how they looked and that the effort was there. I'm really excited against them or about them. And as far as the Bucks go, I think they're still about exactly what we expected. They're not the defensive team we wanted yet, but they still punked the Knicks exactly <laughs> exactly as I think a lot of people expected them to. They played a great game, 60% from three as a team in that game. That's You, you can't win against that. And as far as the game goes, given this Bucks team is has weirdly like shifted from being the, the defensive super force in the NBA to being this great offensive team. And given that the Pacers are now the new offensive team on the block, I think I think the Pacers continue their momentum and I think the Pacers win it. It could go either way. It's one game, you know, who knows? The Bucks shoot 60% from three. We know who it's going to. But I'm going to go on a limb and I'm going to say the Pacers take this one. This is going to be a great game. Uh as we mentioned in Vegas, I think it's going to be. Speaking of Vegas, I wouldn't be. I would. I'm very interested to see what the total is going to be. I think it's. 
I think whoever gets to 130 first wins. I think, or whoever holds the team to 120, I think that's <laughs> the team that um, will get it done. And I think it'll come down to the fourth quarter with two of the best closers in the NBA. Tyrese Halliburton has elevated himself into in the late game. Like he will make the right read. He made some tough contested threes. One was a four point play um, against Celtics, and he just. He's just so confident out there uh, on that ugly, ugly court uh, that they have in Indiana. <laughs> but um, he has been special, and it's special to see what they've, what he's done it with. There's not a ton of high-end talent there, uh, but they do have kind of some like guys that just kind of didn't work out in other places in the 2021 draft. I think it's 2021 draft or. 2020 draft, Halliburton's draft. They have the eighth pick, the tenth pick, the twelfth pick, and the fourteenth pick, all on that team. So they got guys that kind of didn't work out in their original spot, and they brought them over to Indiana, and it's working out. Kind of, you see Obi Toppin. He's been he's kind of had a resurgence. Aaron Neesmith, who has taken a a big jump due to the fact he's been able to kind of play out. some just development he's been able to develop more by playing more where in Boston he wouldn't have gotten that chance being behind Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown so he's been a great guy and then on the Bucks side they just started to figure it out Dame's finally been comfortable shooting wise they they're gonna roll they're gonna be a top two team in the east uh but for this game I think I'm gonna go with the Milwaukee Bucks and I think it's for not just basketball reasons, but like ratings reasons. If Silver has a chance to have a Lakers Bucks in championship, I think we might see uh, we might see a little favoritism with the whistle. Especially Dame's been able to get to the line a lot. I wouldn't be surprised if he has maybe twenty free throws in this game. So I'm gonna go with the Bucks. Yeah, you both I think make excellent points. It's gonna be. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna roll with the Pacers just because I like the underdog thing, um, and I think you know the Pacers right now. They're just they're playing so well. Tyrese is really. You talk about the engines behind the offenses. Like he, he is the. He is the system, he is the as James Harden would say. He is the system. Um, but the thing is, though, what makes him so special is that like he doesn't take away from anybody, even though he's averaging. 27 and 12. Like, yeah. That is, it's ridiculous. And and this isn't a knock against him, but, you know, when Harden was doing that in Houston, it was still incredibly impressive, but he nobody else was really doing much of anything. They really couldn't, even with all of the assists he was racking up just because he had the ball in his hands so much. And There's just a lot more movement and cutting in this so style of offense. It's, it's, very, it's fun to watch because they have a very complex offense where every, there's so many moving pieces. Everyone's moving around the entire game. And, but yeah, Tyrese Halliburton, he's not he's going ISO late, but for three and a half quarters, it's he's moving the ball around, he's cutting off ball yeah. and still getting a shot and getting his other people their shots. It's it's very it's fun to watch. His first triple double was that uh game too of his career on uh, Monday. So that was that was a pretty cool thing too. Yeah, he understands the just I think the simple lesson of giving the ball up to the good guys. You know, something that some get it, some don't, but he understands that to a T. Um, like you said, their their offense, it to me it seems it, as it is complex. Obviously, there are a lot of wrinkles to it, but it looks so simple on TV, and that's a testament to him. And Rick Carlisle, who is an excellent coach, um, <coughs> I'm glad he's in Indiana because I I don't think there's a better basketball mind who has the blend of experience and uh, some sort of understanding of offenses and how they've evolved. There are a lot of good offensive minds, I think, and good basketball minds in general, but I think in terms of a guy who's coached some really good guards, who's coached some legends, like Rick Carlisle has seen it all, and he's done it all, so including in the chip. So I'm, I'm rolling with Indiana. Um, yeah. Regardless, though, no matter what happens, it's, it's been a rousing success. And one, one thing I think is going to be interesting about this matchup is, and part of the reason that I went with the Pacers is 
as we might know, the biggest issue with the Bucks, the by far the biggest weakness, is point of attack defense and perimeter defense. Uh, like especially on the guards, Dame has not. He's he's not exactly a plus defender because they have a great defensive you know backline, but on the front on the as far as their guards go, it's not good. And I just watched Tyrese Halliburton drop an efficient triple double on top of Derek White and Drew Holiday. And when you watch something like that, I just, I don't think the Bucs are going to have any answer to that. When you watch him just have his way with like the best defense, the most talented defensive team in the league, except for maybe the Timberwolves, but extremely talented defensive team, especially on the perimeter when it comes to, you know, Drew Holiday, you know, who who else do you want picking up Tyrese Halliburton? And he torched them like it, it was effortless. And when I watch that and I look at the Bucks, that being their worst quality, I I see him just having his way with their defense the whole time. Yeah. And especially given that it's not we're not like having a classic Bucks matchup where it's like, can they out defend you? The thing is right now what they're trying to do is outscore. And if there's any team ever in the history of the NBA that I'm counting on to outscore another team. It's the 2023 Indiana Pacers. They they do that better than anyone else ever. So I that I think that's part of the reason I'm rocking with them. That that matchup just seems to favor them in my eyes. I was gonna say the only defense they have against this Pacers offense is gonna be the Damon Giannis pick and roll. Like they don't like defensively, it's gonna be just back and forth, back and forth, back oh, and yeah. forth. I like I think we might see another like huge offensive game where we're finishing with you know, I mean what did in that, it in was, that, in that, uh, in it was that the Hawks, game. right? The one where it was one fi- in the one fifties. Oh, yeah. yeah, I think it'll be something like that, like in regulation one fifties. I was just gonna say the 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 Bucks put up one forty six in yeah. regulation against the Knicks, who are a good defensive team. Yeah, like yeah. like I I think it's gonna be super exciting. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be <laughs> the, fun. the one thing we can bet on in this game is they are going to be running the floor yes. like no one else. Like it's gonna be a blast. So I'm super excited for that. I think it's going to be a fantastic game. I don't know how you guys feel about the matchup overall. Certainly the talent favors Milwaukee, but yeah. I'm taking that matchup. Yeah, I think it'll be a classic. Moving out west, Los Angeles Lakers and the LA Clippers will battle in Vegas. Uh, two interesting teams. We've talked a little bit about both of them, but what have you guys seen from these two squads, and who do you have coming out on top? Out of the west, um, I'm, I'm happy to see the Pelicans. I am too. This is kind of part of the thing where you probably won't see them in the Western Conference Finals. I'm just, I mean, I'm just guessing that you never know what could happen, but um, you get to see different teams, especially on uh, national TV. We saw Kings Pelicans. That might be the first time that both of those teams have ever played each other on national TV. Like that's just such a odd matchup, but it's fun to see both of those because they're both fun teams and they both deserve the attention from the national audience, but they just haven't gotten it over the last 20 years. We talk about big markets, small markets, but winning and good players like changes everything. You know what I mean? Like you think about the Spurs. We were talking about this. I feel like two weeks ago. I think we talked about it off air. But the Spurs have been operating as a big market team for the last twenty years because they've been winning so much. Point blank. Period. Same with same with the recent Bucks. I mean, same with yeah. the Warriors. Having having a Giannis brings a lot of attention. Oh yeah, but like the Warriors are a small market team. They're now global. It's yeah. You, so you mm. could call them now. They're a I mean, they're team. literally. Are they not the most valuable? I think they might. Yeah, I think now they are. That's the the thing, though. But it's like for up until 2010. Yeah. No, not even. Well, I guess until they went. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. 2014, you could have called them a small market team. Um, And so it's just cool to see these teams get love. But anyways, go. Uh, yeah. I'm. Uh, when you look at the Pelicans, uh, early kind of struggled. They went through a little five-game slide to begin with, but now they're they've gone through some injury challenges, and they've got CJ McCollum back now, which is uh, which is good for them. I think they have a formula where you can kind of see they're starting to put it together. This is the first time they've really been at full strength. Uh, Brandon Ingram averaging twenty-four right now. Uh, Zion's been pretty good. So I think it's just it's kind of a wait and see with them. I hope because they have so much p- potential and they have a lot of depth as well, especially on the wings when you look at like Herb Jones, Trey Murphy. 
Uh, so they have a team that can mix and match and really, if they really buy in on defense, they could be a really good team. Well, who do you think is taking the matchup? I Laker, Lakers. I don't. I think uh-huh. I'm. I might go with the same reasoning. I don't know if this is a little too tinfoil hat of me, a little too conspiracy theorist of me, but Lakers Bucks is just a very um, is the matchup the NBA wants. I don't know how, but I, yeah, I think the Lakers will win. Yeah, I. This one's really tough because the Lakers and the Pels are both like physical big teams. They're very mm-hmm. athletic teams who a lot of times get their way by by bullying other teams like with physicality. And so that's going to be really interesting. I, I think we're going to see some LeBron on Zion, which that's, that's going to be fun. We're going to see matchup like maybe we'll see some like Vanderbilt on um on Ingram, like that could be fun mm-hmm. as well. Um I'm really excited for the matchup for one, but I I think I'm going to give it to the Lakers by a hair. I agree with you. Not for the ref reasons, but I think that um, LeBron has just looked like the best clutch player in the world. Yeah, it, it, He's been completely unbelievable in the clutch. And uh, I looked at, you know, that last game, you could tell the Lakers were taking him seriously because they played LeBron 40 minutes in that game. And I think they're going to do the same thing. Like, I think they're taking this very seriously. I just see that the matchup, the one thing I worry about is that the Lakers have just recently added Vanderbilt back in. They've sort of like regained that athleticism on their wings just recently. So I don't know how well they've adjusted to that. You could tell by the way they sort of started off a little slow because they were lacking part of that identity with their athleticism. And that adjustment could cause some issues for them. But overall, I think I'm going to take the Lakers because of that high-end talent. But I think guys like, I think Brandon Ingram's going to have a huge game. And I think it's going to be a big Anthony Davis game. I think that he plays really well in this matchup, especially around the rim when you have a lot of players on the Pelicans who want to get around the rim. So I think he has a big game too. Yeah, and it's... The Lakers. It's kind of uh, a revenge game when you look at the AD trade, so that oh, that's a fun little wrinkle I didn't even in think it. Think of that, and then yes, yeah, I mean it's hard to year twenty one. It's hard to bet against LeBron in a closeout game. We've we've seen it for our entire lives. I, it's he's he, you like him down the stretch of any any basketball game of all time. You will take LeBron down the stretch in a closeout game. Yeah, take watching him against. Um, Watching him against the Suns, it it was I think to start off the fourth, he he had assisted or scored on like all fifteen of the Lakers points in the fourth at one point. It was it it's kind of incredible. I'm shocked he passed it to Austin Reeves at the end for that dagger during that game. That was a great game. And I, it's interesting to see how what LeBron seems to be doing now is for the first three quarters he seems to play as point guard and he mm-hmm. just becomes a distributor and like occasionally looking to score and he seems to be i think he knows that the lakers don't function when he's not on the floor yeah they they need him they need him on the floor not even to score but just to be there and i think he decides intentionally to save that sort of scoring um effort till the fourth when he can do it in the clutch and that's how i think it was always supposed to be since they got anthony davis they didn't trade it for him lebron said this offense is not anthony davis he's gonna be our guy he's gonna have the keys i think you know, AD was just always hurt, and LeBron was just asked to do a lot more. But I think we've seen glimpses of this. Like, he's tried very hard to ease his way in the game. And let's be honest, too, you know, like, LeBron is in year 21? Yeah, year 21. Yeah. Um, you know, longevity, like, that is a playing style that's conducive to him having a few more years of playing at a really high level, being able to ease your way in three games, use your basketball IQ. So, um, yeah, like I, I, it's been good to see. I really like. I've really liked seeing that. I just I wish it had come sooner. Wish they were able to do it a year and a half ago, two years ago. To be honest. Could I talk about? Um, could we do a quick talk about the uh, like the the Pacers Celtics game, like about the game yeah. itself? I'm I'm curious what your opinions are because I was personally pretty disappointed with Tatum down the stretch. I I, I think by the box score he had a great game, but I was not happy with how he played. I'm curious how what you think about it from a fan. 
Uh, yeah, I think a couple times when you look back to the Charlotte game earlier too this year, they kind of just sometimes I feel like even though like this is year seven or eight with Tatum and Brown, like they still kind of just panic down the stretch a little bit, trying to make the right play too much instead of just being aggressive and playing the style that got them there for the first three and a half quarters of that game. Those last six minutes have always been a struggle with them. Try, I Yeah, it's just maybe doing too much, maybe doing too little. They like to delegate a lot to, it used to be Marcus Smart who would be taking a lot of those shots late. Al Horford takes a lot of shots late. I think it, I want it to get to more of the system when you saw Tyrese Halliburton had the ball in his hands for the last four minutes of that game and he was going to either make the right pass or make or take the shot. So I'd like to see more of that. And But overall, as just a one-off game, like, I'm not too concerned. This is oh, their, yeah. it's, their, it's their fifth game. loss of the year. Like, yeah, no, it's they're still in, in no, first in no place. Way, like, in no yeah. way should you be like, you know, panicking. I, yeah. it, it's just it's tough when you you see like down the stretch there was two separate plays where he had Halliburton like he he got the ball with like 10, 12 seconds left on the shot clock with Halliburton on him and his side cleared off and it's like over the off season we saw all this talk about like oh Tatum's putting on weight they're gonna add more you know more him like posting up backing down into the offense and you again see him rely on these difficult step back shots in the clutch that he doesn't really make and it's tough because when you have Halliburton it's like you can bully him he can bully Halliburton it's it it just it seems interesting even though in a one game sample to see you know a guy that should be in the MVP conversation get quite honestly like kind of punked by Halliburton like Halliburton was clearly the best player on the floor in my opinion yeah it's also i mean it's it's tough you uh they battled back in that fourth quarter they were down 10 at one point in that sure. fourth so um i mean they ended up losing by 10 but it was a close game until there was a, i i mean it's not okay not I, not punked but it's i i mean he had listen, 32 he had, he had th- like i said it's like he had a great game it's it's just the way i saw it, it's 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 Halliburton should not be looking like the best player on the floor when when Jason Tatum is is out there. Well, I mean, yeah, but there's also there's one-off games where Halliburton goes he went five for eleven from three, where Tatum went two for eight, and uh, Derek went White went two for nine from three, Brown went two for seven. Sam Hauser was the only guy who made three pointers. It's just there's going to be games where, but the only thing is like when it's the system you can't have, especially in the playoffs. I feel like the last couple years it's been like. You're just going to have one of those nights where you go 20% from the three. Oh, you're going to have one of those nights. And then you're down 3-0 against Miami. Like, it's just – the it's frustrating sometimes the way they play, obviously. But, I mean, it's – I think it's good. I, I think this is a good time to get this stuff ironed out where, if we're really being honest, I in-season tournament, doesn't matter. Yeah, kind of. I, I don't know how much. Not for this, like they if they win the in season tournament but get bounced in the first round, it's an unsuccessful season. But if the Indian Indiana Pacers win the in season tournament but get bounced in the first round, it's oh we had a pretty good year. Remember that yeah. cool thing we did in December? Uh so I mean I'm not yeah, I'm I'm not too worried about it. no Porzingis as well. So yeah, I, I was literally just about to ask. It it's it's been evident how important he is. Given, yeah. I mean, he's been incredible. He changes the way they play. He's also a really big help for Brown. Um, he, They have a really good two-man game where Tatum can... He's more sufficient on his own, but Brown having that guy in Porzingis is really big for him, uh, especially if you look at last two games, zero assists. I mean, a lot of people are making that out to be a big thing. I don't as much. I mean, you need to... Like, in these games... They needed guys to shoot, and he's been making his shots relatively. So I don't think it's something that is a huge red flag. He's had games where he's had eight assists this year. Yeah. So yeah, that's I'm that's, not too worried. That's one thing that kind of surprised me because I I thought I was thinking like, oh, you already have Al Horford. This he can shoot the three ball. Like you're already playing this five out system. Um, but his him being a role man like really helps them. So I'm yeah. just curious on your thoughts. Looking at the East as a whole, just for a quick second, uh, speaking of the Celtics, they're still sitting at the top. Russell in second. And Orlando Magic. Orlando Magic. Have you seen those videos on oh, yeah. uh, TikTok? Uh-huh. The, uh, they post a video after every win with a um, 
they have this little like tune. It's pretty cool. It, they it's very fun. They they're a fun team. Um, we as we've said before, just gritty. I mean, if like we're all being honest, they're just a good defensive regular season team that doesn't have uh, much to do late, but like it's going to be fun for the regular season yeah. just to see how Paulo and France can kind of develop. Understood what was going on in Orlando. We talked about it on the last episode, but I was just like, you guys are drafting these high end guards in the lottery every mm-hmm. year, and nobody's really like turned out great. Some of them have been fine, but yeah. there hasn't been anybody that's like boomed yet. And I think Suggs has, I think he's at, in the process of getting. He's found his role. Like yes. when you draft a guy in the top five, obviously you're looking for a number one guy, but if he can be a number three or four, just like really good role player. Like we talked about last week, like if he can be Derek White, like that's a real, that's like exceed, like obviously his expectations as a top four pick weren't that, but where we are, where we're sitting now, if he can be, be that, where they already have friends and they already have Bancaro, that's more than enough for them to be competitive. Unfortunate. I thought tonight was the night. Yeah. I told you not to hold it Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Endurance down. Moving out west. Um, as I try and hide my emotions. Uh, Minnesota <laughs> is still first. 15 and 4. Um, Oklahoma City Thunder at 13 and 6. Nuggets are 14 and 7. Lakers 13 and 9. And Kings 11 and 8. Those are the top five uh, teams out west. Guys, I want to talk a little bit more just about this Minnesota team because they've continued to impress me. Um, what have you guys seen from this squad? Like, I, I there's a lot that I could say, but I want to defer to you guys before getting into it. Tim, I'll, I'll start with you. Um, I think I'm. I think we're all surprised a little bit. I thought they would be a they'd be a five, six, seven team uh, in this competitive, very competitive West, but they've. They've proven to be more than that, and uh, Anthony Edwards, obviously, he's been great. McDaniels, uh, Gobert, and Towns—they—they're all kind of starting to fit. Where last year, it just—it took some time for them to really get it all going, especially with Towns out for a lot of it. I think when they came up short last year, I think they didn't give them the benefit of the doubt of having Towns not be there, who's the second best. He's the second most important player on that team. Uh, and then once they kind of were healthy in the postseason, they gave they gave Denver them the biggest challenge of uh, of that postseason run for them, which is saying something considering Denver really just rolled over everyone. Um, yeah, I think they they have some potential to to definitely stick it out through this. Like this is a sustainable thing for the regular season for them to be the one seed is not a crazy thing. I believe. Yeah, I, I since you mentioned that Nuggets series, I'm I'm really happy. I watched every game in that series, and I, I don't think a lot of people did, but I think I was kind of like, you know, one of those games. Um, it was the one game they won. They were up like 15 points, like late in the fourth. Then Michael Porter Jr. just went blackout and scored like yeah. 12 points in like four possessions, just like you know, like four back to back threes, just went nuts. That, one, and, that game went to OT, right? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that and, one. And it was despite the Nuggets like getting all that insane momentum, Anthony Edwards was just a dog in OT. It's like any time a yeah. game goes OT, he's just a dog. I love it. And I think that's been great for them. I mean, they've been fantastic. I think one huge change that's like sort of really benefited them, maybe even more so mentally than 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 game-wise, is Cat, I think, is, is truly – taken on that that second player role. I, I think up until now it was sort of unclear if, if Ant or Cat was the number one guy. And I think by now it's established and Cat has sort of like worked himself into that. 
And I think he functions a lot better that way. I think he's taking better shots a lot of the time than he has been in previous years. And there's more balance when you know exactly who you're going to down the stretch. So I'm excited to see whether or not they're truly competitive in the playoffs. I personally, I think it'll translate really well. I think they will be really competitive. But we've yet to see. As far as regular season goes, they're absolutely great. evident that he could be, but, you know, he had a huge summer. He had as good of a summer, I think, as any, anybody in the league did. Um, and then Cade broke through. And so it's been good to see him sort of ascend. We talked about it a little bit on the last podcast. Not to compare him to this guy, even though we've drawn a lot of comparisons to him, but, you know, sort of like I feel like Wade, his ascension, um, what happened when Shaq got there. You know, Shaq was there, and there was obviously the argument of, or talk about whose team was it, and Shaq literally was like, it is not my team. It's Dwayne Wade's team. I'm just here to help in any way that I can. Um, you know, Cat hasn't officially said that, but it's obvious that this is Ant's team, and hey, there's nothing wrong with being an incredibly big man on a really big team uh, in the West right now, the Western Conference, that's incredibly deep. And speaking of which, Oklahoma City Thunder still doing pretty well. Chet Holmgren doing his thing. They're 13-6. and six. Shea Gilgis-Alexander's looking like uh, dark horse MVP candidate. We'll get into that a little bit later. But what do you guys think about the rest of the West right now? Um, Nuggets are still hanging in there too. Lakers obviously doing fine. But has anybody else really stood out to you guys? I think the Kings have caught my eye. I think they've shown that they could do kind of what they did last year again. Maybe not to the capability, like to the amount that they did it last year, but. I mean, last year they had everything break their way. They were the least injured team. They won a lot of close games. Uh, but there are three games above 500 right now, and they did a lot of it without De'Aaron Fox, who's came back and been incredible. He's only played 14 games so far, but in those 14, he's averaging 30 points on, like, just he's been amazing for them, especially down the stretch. And everyone's been with Halliburton's ascension. Oh, you should – with – they should have kept him over Fox. I mean, for a team that had to win now due to the just the the well, no, they didn't. But but like they're still not doing too bad for themselves with De'Aaron Fox, especially where this franchise was when they had to make that trade to where it is now. They're in a much better spot, even if you had to give up Halliburton. Sometimes you're not going to win trades, but you're still gonna benefit from them in the long run with Sabonis who's been a really good big for them uh he's only averaging 19 right now but 19 and 12 that's still nothing to sneeze at and seven assists which is I I didn't realize that until just now so that's he's having a pretty good year too I was gonna say like I understand like the whole thing of like oh wow if you had De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halberton on the you know on the same team like that's incredible but I think that if, if you go back, like, if you look at what's happening right now, you mm-hmm. still go back and make that trade. Oh, 100%. Like, like the beam, like, all of it, like, that yeah. doesn't happen if you keep him, I don't think. And it's, it's watching Sabonis, he's not defensively, but no. offensively, he functions very similarly to Draymond Green, mm-hmm. where him just by screens and handoffs, he's going to work off those and create offense. And I think there's a few games, I think he had a, if I remember correctly, against... The um in their game against the Pelicans, he had a great game. Yeah, he had he 30. Was eating 30 uh, yep. Yeah, 30 points against the Pelicans. He can score when he wants to, and I think he's fantastic. I love the Kings. Um yeah. one one thing if I could about the West, one tidbit I was thinking about is that one really interesting part about the West is there's a lot of weird like matchups that are gonna matter a lot, I think. Because right now there's you have some teams that are very like small and play, play with less power and a lot of teams that are very physical like if you've noticed <clears throat> the thunder are fantastic they're going to win a ton of games but they get played really well by the nuggets and the pelicans both those teams like are play really well against them so it's it's going to be really interesting what coming into the playoffs where you watch these teams where if OKC gets a path where they're going to play the Timberwolves, the Lakers, the Mavericks, you know, you know, they have much favor much more favorable matchups versus these more physical teams that are able to out rebound them and 
compete well physically, especially with Chet Holmgren, still as amazing as he has been. I love him. But he still has limitations, especially with generally how their lineup is built. That's why the play-in is so interesting because, I mean, obviously we're early. We're only 20 games in, so it's tough to look at playoff picture already. But say you're the Minnesota Timberwolves and you win 60 games or you win 55 games. You're the one seed. Good luck. Now you get the Golden State Warriors who are a 10 seed who (laughs) ran the table in the play-in. It's just like it's such a deep conference where you just have to kind of win games and hope you get home court. I think home court is a huge huge thing especially when all these teams are so tightly packed together um yeah but like you said they they play very different styles when you look at a team like the Mavs who they're scoring 118 a game and they're allowing 118 a game uh it's a very different style from the Timberwolves who are only allowing 105 or the Rockets who are only allowing 107 so like just the way that teams are playing we'll just have to see what kind of prevails later on in the year if it's the heavily defensive teams or the teams with guys like Luka and Kyrie that can just kind of offensively just outscore teams. Yeah, I, I agree. It's it's so strange to think about how in this year you could get the one seed and as a, your gift for playing so well, you could receive Steph Curry. Yeah, like that's, <laughs> it's, that's just brutal. Who's, it's, you know, as, yeah. as many issues as the Warriors have, it's like Steph Curry is still like top three in the planet. And it's like you could be the one seed and receive that. You could You could be the two seed and you could get Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. You know, you never know. And one thing I, I would like to watch on is, will this Houston Rockets team play, stay in the playoffs? I mean, they started off with that huge win streak, those two big win, wins against the Kings. But as I've kind of expected, they've fallen a little back to the mean. They're 8-9 and nine right now at the 10 seed. And it's going to be interesting to see whether or not they can keep themselves in a spot like that or whether or not they'll be just barely out of the playoff picture. Well, their home road splits right now are something. They are 8-1 and one at home, and they are 0-8 on the road. Oh. That's not a winning formula. I can tell you that right now. Um, but just you got to win. <laughs> win at home, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you also need to win maybe you a one be, or two. You got to be the a high seed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. At, at the 10 seed, you're not winning. You're not going to be on the road, or you're going to be on the road for the plan, so good luck with that. Uh, but just back to Steph Curry for a moment. Um I was thinking about this, just reflecting on as we almost enter uh, 2024. Our next episode will be in 2024. Um, Steph Curry's unanimous MVP season was eight years ago, guys. And I think he's a better player now than he was eight years ago. I agree. He, just the amount of strength he's, um, amount of muscle he's put on and just in, yeah, just inside, like the way he's, been able to finish is just uh, is yeah. remarkable. He's just such a more dynamic player than he was. He's a better passer than he was eight years ago. Yeah. And he hasn't even received, I don't think he's received a top three MVP season since then. No, well, we've gotten accustomed to it. He has revolutionized the game. And I think it's even more impressive because teams are, you know, mimicking a lot of what the Warriors are doing. And, you know, it's hard to mimic or replicate in any way, shape, or form. And we've seen elements of it. Like, they took from the Spurs a little bit. and um, Spurs obviously took from great teams of the past. But, you know, Steph has just been incredible. And this is also just the, the golden age, I think, of guys getting a second and third ring into their career. Yeah. It's I've... really cool to see Kobe, uh, Ray Allen, uh, Steve Nash, like that group of guys play really well into their 30s. But this group, Bron, Steph, KD, They've all taken it to another level, and um, even I mean, even Brady, like if we're just going off, yeah, of that, like athletes, like these guys are playing at a really, really high level, um, and their IQs are continuing to expand, and it's just it's it's been amazing to see. Yeah, I think for me, I mean, I love Steph Curry. I he's an incredible player, obviously, but I'm still I think higher than some people are. I think he's the second best player in the league right now. Like. It's really? like I. You think it's Jokic than him? Yeah. Wow. Like I, I think he is that good. I, I would rather have, because he is just an unstoppable offensive player. Like he is a whole offense on his own. And one thing I, I think is gonna be really interesting. People talk about how insane Braun is for playing into thirty nine and being as good as he is. You've noticed how his game has changed and adapted, and it's crazy to see for him because his game relied on athleticism. Steph Curry's game doesn't, and it's like he might be good 
till later than LeBron. Like he potentially could be. It it, it does, but it doesn't. Like it's like, not freakish athleticism, but Steph. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. Oh, I. But the thing is, like, it's like I'm 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 in I'm in with you on that. Like, his athleticism is an entirely different kind than any other player before him. The way he works and his endurance, but just the way I see his game aging very well in okay. in this yeah. league. I mean, yeah, yeah. like we, he could play into his 40s, I think, and still probably be really good purely based on his shooting alone. It's incredible. I mean, I yeah. Oh yeah, I think both of them will. Yeah, I I think it's just yeah. Uh, the only thing with Steph, I mean, I obviously don't want to say anything, jinxing him or anything, but like those ankles early on were tough in his career. I, I'm just I, and like he's different from LeBron in the aspect that LeBron is still six eight two fifty. Where where if Steph Curry loses that step, he still has the shot, obviously, but the creation around that shot will be will drop off a little yeah. bit. And that's what I'm a little worried about. Especially with there's not a lot of stuff currently around him where he can kind of be a two or a three where you can have someone else carry the load and then he can just be a spot up shooter. Because if that's the case, then yeah, we could see him play for another five or six, seven years. But if it's in this scenario that we're in right now where he has to be the main guy, I I don't know if that could be a possibility. Well, and going off of that, this is a theoretical thing, but that's why I think it's always important to just draft the best guy available, and that's why <laughs> I think you should have gone ahead and taken Melo. Yeah. Like, I know it sounds crazy and ridiculous, but, like, with that, you're able to ease him sort of into having the keys to the offense, and Curry's game's going to continue to age well. Like, we'll never see it. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I think you just signed a supermax, so it would be some sort of trade. Yeah, you know, be an interesting player to watch the Warriors, like as because I, I, I think the Warriors should still continue to go all in when you have like a prime that is still this long and it's still this good. It's like you have no reason other than to chase title contention. I think it'd be interesting if because I've heard talks of this player being shopped a little bit, uh, Lori Markkinen. I've heard talks of him being shopped a little bit. I don't know how true those are, obviously, rumors around the league. But he can shoot the three. It fit right into their system. As well as just being a great addition as far as size to their offense. Be curious to see. Yeah, I, I like that. I think he's the kind of guy that fits within their system. Um, I do wish and I hope that at some point they're able to go out and just get a, a high-usage, big-time guard that would actually sort of take pressure off of Steph and allow his game to age as well as we know it can. Um, just going off of, just one last question. Do you think this is it for Clay this year with the Warriors? With the Warriors? I, I believe he's on an expiring contract. Is this... I'm, I'm going to say no. I don't think so. Um, I think Steph, I, Steph... I think all of them really do love being a part of this core. I think... And, one thing that I think that has always impressed me about this group is that I think they understand what they have. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think they understand how special this is. And I think they also understand, too, I think maybe in some sense the last dance and other things that have helped, have helped with this, but they're in the twilight years of it. And it'll be on them to maximize those years. Um, and I think they have a few more years left in the tank. You know what I mean? I, I do too. Like do. when you look at what happened, I think they just have to get there. I think they just have to get through 82 games. We saw that was a struggle last year, but once yeah. once they, they got there, it was they. I mean, it was a seven game. It was a really tough seven game series against the Kings, but they got through it. Right. And then they got the Lakers, and the only reason you lost that was because you went up against LeBron. Like, yeah. and so even even if it doesn't happen this year, you still have time for it to, for it to happen. Obviously, but, the clock is yeah, I was gonna say you don't have. That yeah, much. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. You've got a few years. Yeah. And um, I think he understands that. And I, I, I think I think he stays. I do. I, I think he stays, but it, at least for for the better for the betterment of the organization, I hope that he is not on a large contract and that he's not playing a lot of minutes. I I really do think he's very much declined. Like the Nothing. He's a shell of his former sh- former self, and I think he should be kept around. Like, I mean, there's no reason 
that he shouldn't be kept around at the very least as a veteran, a locker room guy, a guy who's played through and won four rings and six finals appearances. Like, that's very valuable, as we were literally talking about last episode. But at the same time, it's he looks really rough. <laughs> he looks really rough. The thing is, I don't even think he's... I don't... I, I know you're not saying this, but it's, it's made me upset how, like, people have tried to say he's, like, just awful. Like... It's not like there's still like he's still the second leading scorer on this yeah, team. I like mean, this dude tore his ACL and his Achilles. Like, and he came back yes. and he played well. Like, like he like, was still like they won a title after yeah. that. Yes, like this dude has a reconstructed lower body. What do you expect? Like for somebody and, and Clay was that dude. And the thing is, I think a lot of it also too is it's our fault because we didn't take the time to appreciate him for how good he really was because Steph was exploding at and, the same time. But he was that dude. He beat him in the one of the three point like that like he won a three point yes. contest against Steph Curry. Like but he yeah, he was definitely the man when those teams were there and then yeah, obviously he was overshadowed by lethal. KD, but like yeah, he won a title as he won two titles probably as the second best player. There's not many other guys that have that resume currently. And I yeah, I don't think he gets the respect he deserves. No. But then again, he's also shooting 40% from the field right now and that's that can't happen. 36 from three, that's not awful. Obviously, it's not up to his standards. But if he, like, you can't be, I don't know. He just needs to get it up a little. He just needs to be a little bit more efficient. He does. And I'm not too worried about it just because I think he's deep in his head right now. Honestly, I think Clay cares a little bit too much about what people think of him or what people are saying. Um, and I think, hopefully, at some point, he's able to realize that. People in the circle are able to. Um, and, you know, I think I, I think Clay could just use a really good offense decompress, get away from all the BS, and come back. Because he's another guy, too. Even with the injuries, I think he could catch a second wind. And that's been tough. Yeah, that's been tough for him because he's had multiple summers where he's had to rehab, and then you have a summer where you're, you win a championship. You go, you play until June, and then you party for another month, and then you have to get back into the swing of things. And, I mean, this summer, like, and now, yeah, he's just – it's it's tough, and I I I I hope they bring him back. Definitely not on a max. That's the other thing. Like if he wants to come back on a max, but yeah, we'll have to see with that. For sure. Real quick, guys. Uh, the MVP ladder. The NBA.com MVP ladder has Jokic at one, Embiid at two, Luca three, SGA four, Giannis fifth, and then Halliburton, Tatum, Durant, uh, Anthony Edwards, and LeBron coming in behind in that that second tier group. Right now, if the season were to end. Um, this should be unsurprising depending on how much you know me, but it's going to be Nikola Jokic. I, I'm not sure, you know, where, I mean, he's won right now. Clearly the, the league can tell, you know, the, the Vegas shows that, that they think he's the best player in the league right now, but he has just been like, it's, it's unbelievable. It's, I think that if you're not watching Denver as, as much as you possibly can, you're going to look back in five years and be like, I missed one of the great offensive peaks. Like, that's how truly great I think it's been. You look at that, um, there was a, a while back, they played the Kings, and he dro- he just dropped, like, an incredible, like, it was like 35, 13, and 14 on, like, 70% shooting, mm-hmm. and they lost. Yeah. Without Murray for a lot of these games. Yeah, that's just, the thing. He's, he's carrying a load without just, Murray. It, it, especially on top of that, when you think about, like, like as far as right now, they've missed Murray for like probably at least a third of their games, and he still kept them like well above five hundred. He's truly incredible. This is his highest scoring. This is higher than his two MVP scoring seasons yeah. and last year by five. He's more points right now. He has five more points this year, averaging than he did last year. And arguably last year, he should have won MVP too. It's it's truly amazing. I'm gonna go with the same answer. I'm gonna go Nikola Jokic. It's just, I mean, we at one point. Is the NBA MVP trophy named after someone right now? Because I wouldn't be surprised if in 10 years it's the Nikola Jokic MVP trophy. I mean, look. Like, he just, like, he's dominant in these, like, there's no one else that even sniffs his stats right now. It's honestly insane. By the way, here's his, 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 his oh, it is? Oh, yeah, so they probably won't change that, (laughs) but um, we're at the point where it's like, Who's the second? Well, you were talking about Steph Curry. I believe Steph Curry is the second best player because you have to start at two because 
number one's Jokic, and it's Ben yeah. Jokic, and it will be I Jokic. Mean, look at these going are forward. the past five games. He has scored 38, 39, 32, 21, and 36. And it's like last year, the thing was people were like, oh, he's not looking to score like Embiid. Yeah. This year, I, now I think he is. From and game now it's, one, yeah. it's like he's come out and he's like, you can tell he's more aggressive. It, it, in a way, there was this slight change from like looking, like looking to pass and then looking to score mm-hmm. to like looking to score and then looking to pass through that. And it's, it's been like, he's a force of nature. Yeah. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's like, this, this is incredible. So, my, my only gripe, not, not, and this isn't with Jokic at all, because he's been phenomenal, but I wish we appreciated guys more in the midst of their primes the way we are with Jokic. Um, and I, frankly, I wish the voters did, to be completely honest, yeah. because. It's not uncommon when you really think about it for guys to win the MVP and then be better the next season. We were just talking about that with yeah. Steph, where it's eight years gone by. And yeah, it's, it's, LeBron, same thing. Yeah, yeah like so, so many guys. KD hasn't won an MVP in a decade. He's yeah. still been that caliber of player. Like it's well, just and it's 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 frustrating for me because you know with Jokic, the numbers will tell you it all. Obviously, the wins do too, but the numbers tell you it all. And we don't appreciate we don't always appreciate guys with those numbers. We haven't with LeBron, or the media has. I mm-hmm. think, you know, most yeah. of us have. The fans have, but the media has not. They just simply haven't. He's gotten better in every facet. Whether you watch him, you know, statistical every statistical category, he's been phenomenal. Same with KD. He's just gotten better and better. So that's my only thing, and it frustrates me because I love Jokic and it's been great to see him. But it's just like I'm like, man, damn. Why couldn't we do this for KD? Why yeah. couldn't we do this for LeBron? You know. Um, but no, I. I think he's the clear choice right now for season winner, and I think I think they're inclined to um, give it to him. And it also, I guess, it too frustrates me just you know that we have sort of changed. We bend the rules for the MVP now, mm-hmm. you know? and that's a bit confusing. I suppose. Yeah, um, it makes it more entertaining at the end of the day. And there's so much talent. I think this is a time to do that. But theoretically, I've talked about it before. The MVP should go to the best guy or the best team. Um, you know. Most of the time, not always, but uh, and I think since Westbrook won won the MVP that year, he averaged a triple double. The floodgates kind of opened for things to be different, which yeah. has been cool to see. Mm-hmm. It's been different, but um, I have one other comment on the MVP about one guy, just Joel Embiid. I hope that people follow the the historical precedent that was set by Dirk, because Dirk won an MVP that year. He lost in the first round. Right. He didn't touch top three in MVP votes for the rest of his career. Like they, they, and and by the time he won a chip and he proved himself, it was kind of like past that point. And I, I think that that precedent was made clear that, you know, once somebody has some sort of playoff failures or letdowns, that they don't let them get back in that conversation until they prove themselves. And I hope that the voters follow that for Joel Embiid. As much as I love him, I want to see him perform well in the playoffs. But I think that they should honor that precedent. And so it's interesting to see that he's number two right now. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I think, I don't even know if you could say it was precedent. Just, I think it, it looks like it historically, but that was embarrassing for them because the Warriors weren't that good. That we believe Warriors team, they were good, yeah. but they weren't, they weren't crazy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, also to the West was like, like ultra competitive that year, if I remember. Yeah, that was yeah. like was that the year where like fifty wins got in? Or one yeah. of, it was like around that year, like that was the eight seed. Yeah. And so I think it was more so embarrassing for everybody. Um but yeah, no, I I don't know, man. With Embiid, I d I don't know if I would agree with that just because like I, th- like I said we're we're bending the rules yeah. for everybody anyways. You know? I, s- I still think he's he deserves to be in this conversation because if you look at, like, they're a top three team or top five team, whatever they are right now in the East, you take him off that team. I love Tyrese Maxey, but he's not a number one. We all know his state stats are what they are because of Embiid because he gets a play off of him and just the way that stuff like that works. Like, if they take Embiid off that team, it's just it's not a playoff squad. It's not a play-in squad. It's a – or maybe it's a play-in squad, but it's not a, a quality – Team where right now they're on the fringe of contending. We don't really know right now. Maybe they need one more piece, but they would need two, two, three more pieces if it wasn't um, 
if Embiid wasn't there. So I think he still deserves to have the credit of being in the MVP conversation. I, I do too. And I think there's also too a different um there's a different mystique around the MVP than it used to be. Yeah. Uh, and I I just I think it's the MVP of this year. I know looking back to other years and saying who won it before, but I think it's just I think it should just be this year, what's going on, nothing, no prior stuff going into it. Yeah, that, and that's and I guess that's my point. Like, I don't think, you know, there should be the voters fatigue thing, which obviously will continue to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Which there is, and that's what also gets me. There isn't one with Jokic, but mm-hmm. there has been for so many other yeah. years. And it's just like, come on, let's be fair here. But, no, right now, though, if the season were to end, I think Jokic is the clear-cut choice, like I said, but just to be different, I've talked about him. I've been so impressed with him. I'm a point guards guy. I, I Halliburton, my yeah, he's been pretty good. He's just been that good to me. And like I said, we're we're bending the rules already. Mm-hmm. If this were maybe five years ago, I'd say absolutely not. You can't, you know. But hey, I'm all for it. So, but we'll continue to monitor that MVP conversation for you guys. Let's close this one out with uh, the Christmas Day game slate for this season. Um, start off at noon. Milwaukee Bucks will be in New York taking on the Knicks. I love those games. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They took them away for a couple of years when the Knicks were just garbage, but now they're back. Yes. And, so, and I'm excited. You for know it. the it's celebs just, are going to be yep. out for that. Like, it just, is going to be stacked that courtside. It's Christmas morning. You got your oh, presents. Yeah. You're just you're you're just comfortable, yeah. and you're watching basketball at MSG. There's nothing better. Yep. Warriors at Nuggets. Uh, Celtics at Lakers. Sixers at Heat. Mavs at Suns. And uh, that that wraps it up. So, uh, real quick, guys, what's what do you guys think is the best game to watch? Which one are you guys most intrigued to starting? I mean, I have a bias here, but I'm going Celtics Lakers. I think I mean, when you look at uh, just, I think this is the game. I one, sorry to go off on a little tangent here, but I hope they wear just the gold and the green. Sometimes they get to these ugly, these new uniforms, and I just hate it so much. Just go back to the classics. Have a good Christmas Day game. Tatum, LeBron, duke it out. And I just, that, I think that's going to be the best game. 5 o'clock, 5.30, whenever it is. Yeah, I, I think that's by far my one. And then I'd say Warriors Nuggets too. I think I'm going to go with Mavs Suns. Late night game. Yeah, uh, random one. But uh, I think they're both like offensive teams. I think it's going to be an explosion. Who doesn't want to see Devin Booker and KD duke it out with Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving? The, like they butted like, heads too. Like yeah, there's like that's the other thing. This is a like the Mavs Suns are a thing. Like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic hate each other. Yeah. They are not, <laughs> they are they, not friends. They are not exactly friends. I mean, the fun thing is because you got Devin Booker and Luka Doncic hating each other, and then Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant <laughs> who are like best friends still. I, maybe I, maybe the, I think they so. were friends at some point. Yeah, they I, yeah they had you know, a friendship. I think Katie was yeah. kind of annoyed yeah. with him after some of the, like you know the whole situation, but like. <laughs> You know, not only is that game good, I think, yeah. with the both the offensive matchup, but I think that the narrative capital of them hating each other makes it a little, little bit better. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I'm going with uh, Warriors Nuggets. I like Celtics Lakers, too. That'll probably be the one I'll, I'll watch. But honestly, no, no. Yeah, I'm saying it. Bucks Nuggets. <laughs> because I feel like... We just saw it. I <laughs> said <laughs> <laughs> so we just saw it yesterday okay. or two days ago. Oh, yeah. But oh, I feel like um, the away team always puts on the star player for the away team always puts on a show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think we're gonna see that. I think Dame or Giannis. I was gonna say which star. Yeah, are gonna put on a show, and I, I love to see that. But going off of that, you guys are good. Let's close this out with our last segment. What is your guys' favorite Christmas Day performance? Or, or just one, you know, that you think is the best that needs to be shouted out that you maybe didn't get to see on television live. I have a, I did not see this on television live, um, but this is a great one. 2004, Miami Heat versus Lakers. Mm-hmm. I don't, was this your, what you were going to go to? No, no. I, well, I, I feel like that's a, that's like, that was a classic. Yeah. Because that was the first time Shaq and Kobe. Yeah. It's like, for one, narrative capital, Shaq and Kobe rematching after the, I guess, you know, break up, whatever you want to call it. Then on top of that, Dwayne Wade giving you 29 points. Shaq has given you 24 and 11. And 
Kobe Bryant, I think, drops 42 points. Like, that's that's super fun. I That would have been an awesome one to watch live. And it finished a two-point game, 104-102 to 102 Miami Heat win. I think that was in Staples Center as well. That sounds like a great game. Would have loved to be there to watch that one live. Uh, I'm going to go with – it's one of the ones that I remember. When I think of Christmas Day, I think of this game. Um, I, I'm going to go Kyrie Irving, not 2017, the year he hit the shot. The year after, 2018, when he was on the Celtics, uh, he put up 40 points against the 76ers. Him and Embiid went back and forth. It was a, I think both had at least 35-plus. Um, overtime game, Celtics won. Uh, that was just a really good one. I, I, f- I remember Kyrie fondly for a little bit that season, and then um, I don't know. Things got carried away. Let's just say <laughs> that. Fond memories. Yeah, fond memories. All right, yeah, for me, I'm going with – this is a probably an odd one to you guys, but I'm going with the 2014 Washington Wizards at New York. Whoa. John Wall hit him. Yeah, John Wall. 24 points and 11 assists. I remember watching, and I just remember he was just he was just having fun. Like, it was like like he was still playing hard, but it was like an all-star game. Like, I remember there were a couple cool things he did, like a couple of dribble moves where, like, he pulled out. Uh, I think he had a 360 layup in that one. I think there was a bit of a scuffle, too, made it entertaining. A couple of guys trading shrugs, but um, it was just fun, man. Like, you could tell, like, I could see it. Like, John Wall was like, you know what? Christmas Day, like, national game. I'm at the Garden. I'm going to put on a show. And he did exactly that. And so that was – that's one that's, like, my favorite. It was one that I kind of saw. And then also, too, just those Cavs and Warriors games. Those oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Man. Like, that – yeah, that that one where it was down to the wire, that's an all-time classic. I mean, those four years, like, I think those were, like – that was the only matchup where it's, like, you tune in if you're an NBA fan. I mean, yeah. it's icon- it's iconic. Yeah, you got to. Um, and then another one that I just feel like needs to be shouted out, I said it before we recorded, but Bernard King going for 60 Christmas Day, man, 1985. That's insane to me. Still is, like, especially with the way the game was played back then. But to do that Christmas Day in the garden where all the eyes are on you, that's that's legendary. I think, and Tim, you mentioned it to me, that's still the most points ever scored on Christmas Day. Yep, 60, 61, right? 60. 60. And then... Before, I just want to shout out uh, one more year. Um, it was highly anticipated. 2011, if you guys remember then. That was the first game of the season due to the lockout. Yes, and those games. Oh. I remember uh, Celtics lost the Knicks uh, by two, 104-106, uh, to kick off the NBA season. The Bulls played the Lakers, too. Yes, they did. And that was a really good Bulls won 88-87. Yeah. 88-87? Yeah. yeah, Rose had, Rose like, had 22. He had the hook floater at the end that I think won them that game or tied it up or yeah. something. Yeah, that was that was fun. And that was good. Like, I know it was a lockout and everything, but I've always – I was a fan of that season. 66 games starting on Christmas. Like, Christmas yeah. games obviously bring out a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, you get a lot of viewers, but the, the slate of games was, was incredible, and that, that was just a good year. Yeah, and then – you also had a finals rematch between the Heat and the Mavs. LeBron was determined. He had 37, 10, and 6 Woo. in the first game back where they won uh, by 11 points. Yep. So just that was that was a tough summer for him, and he bounced back right after, and then they would ultimately win that year. So You know what's an interesting tidbit I just found? Only six players ever have recorded a triple-double on Christmas Day in NBA history. That's, that's not – should we should we try to name them? Yeah. Okay. I, I think you're are gonna are we going to be able to name them? There's one guy I've never heard of, okay. but the rest of them I think you get, I think you can get. Okay. So does LeBron have one? Yes, he does. In 2010, Miami against the Lakers, 27, 11, and 10. Does Magic have one? No. I think Christmas like they, think of like big triple double guys. Is it Westbrook? Is Westbrook West, one of them? West, yeah, he Russ has, has one. one right? 2013 actually. Oh wow! When in OKC he had. 14, 13, and 10. All right, yeah, so that's two of life. them. Uh, did Jokic get one? Nope. No, not yet. Maybe this year. Maybe we'll, you guys will have to see. Are they from this area? Yeah, are we, what are we looking um, like? Let's see. There is um, one in 2017. 
and then the rest of them are in the 60s and 1970. All right. Is it Harden? No. No. 2017. This guy, hint, not a big score. Big score. Is it Draymond? It's Draymond Wow. Against against Cleveland in that 2017 game, he had 12, 12, and 11. That's a, that's a classic Draymond stat line. <laughs> I, he's, Is it Bill Russell? No, there's a big guy in the 60s who recorded a lot. Uh, Oscar Robinson. Oh, Oscar All Robinson. Right, so that's we're at yeah. four now, right? So we got two left. One is this guy in the 60s, the one you don't this know? Is a, there's one more in the 60s and one in 1970. The other guy in the 60s is a Boston guy. Is it Tommy Heinsohn? No. Oh. The, the most obvious. Havlicek? Yes. Okay. Havlicek, this guy, you're not going to get him. In, I uh, thought I thought it was going to be. Ha- in, I didn't know if you were going to know. In 1970, uh, Philly played Detroit actually, and Billy Cunningham dropped 21, Ooh. 18, and 13. That's Billy a Cunningham nice. was nice. <laughs> he was nice. I, I remember I, reading the crazy story about him. There was some NBA legend who um, was like heading to a park, and there was a kid who was shooting, and his dad was like pushing him through these drills, like pushing him really hard. And his dad was like yelling at him or whatever. And the guy wrote, little did I know, that guy would turn out to be perennial all-star Billy Cunningham. Huh. That was the kid being pushed. Yeah, that. that's funny. So. You know, it's, it's crazy because like only like six players have done it, and uh, Oscar Robertson did it four times. Wow. <laughs> four separate times. That's impressive. It's just going, going nuts. Well... On that note, that'll do it for the final episode of 2023 for Courtside Combo. For everyone listening, thank you so much for following along for this calendar year. We'll be back 2024, start of January, most likely with our, our first episode of the new year. Hopefully the Pistons have a win by then. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Torturing me. That would be a great Christmas present yeah. to us in Michigan. Um, happy holidays to all of you listening. Happy winter. Happy winter. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, thank you so much for listening. Go out, be nice to people. Much love. We'll see you next time.